They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. And Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Okay, so we're back. Thanks, Jake, for the lovely introduction. It's been too long since we've thanked Jake for his work. He does the Lord's work here. Uh, we need to get this out of the way because our guest is really antsy to start talking. Uh, our guest is our father, the one and only master of political science, chief of the AP reading, uh, lover of all things Orange and Star Trek. I'm talking, of course, about Eduardo the Third to give him his full yes. title. Thank you. It's it's a really great pleasure being here, and I'm I'm excited that I finally get an opportunity. Now, you told me this is like your second or third episode that you've invited me on to talk because I'm so <laughs> special to you guys. Isn't that isn't that correct? Yeah, we had to get you in early, early in the, uh, early in the life of the podcast. Okay, Be sure well, to I have just, the most pivotal figure in our lives on as soon as possible. I I figured as much, so I appreciate being on here early in the history of the podcast. So I wanted to talk about before we get started. So all of the family was together last night, except for Terry, uh, for the Super Bowl, and I believe. My son, Elliot, probably watched more of the Super Bowl than he has of any single football game in the 20-some years of his life. So I'm curious, what did you think of the Super Bowl as a sporting event, as an activity, as a unofficial American holiday? Well, first of all, I've had 22 years of life is the number you were looking for, <laughs> Dad. Um... I was really tired that day. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It's it's pretty boring. Uh, it's pretty uninteresting. I didn't really see the appeal. I enjoyed uh, pretending to not understand how things work. Although I was legitimately confused by the people at the halftime show. I had no idea who they were, or what they were doing. <laughs> um, I guess in short, it's failed to convert me. Okay, what that's I was too saying. bad. Yeah. Did Did you enjoy the Super Bowl, Nathan Daniel? I thought it was an okay Super Bowl. I think that was actually the most I've paid attention to the Super Bowl in the last couple of years. I think I've usually been at, been fairly disinterested in the result and been more interested in talking to the people. So since I was with my family, I could finally focus on the game more than <laughs> uh, the company, which was nice. Uh, but it was a fairly boring game most of the third quarter i think lost the interest of everyone who was there i was interested you were actually it's funny well, because you were you were making comments about it feeling like an iowa game and apparently there were a number of national press figures who were making the same joke during the first half they're like wow i didn't realize i was watching the iowa music city bowl so you were you were on top of the curve 
See, I know more about sports. Don't let my physique and general <laughs> demeanor and the way I talk about movies 90% of the time trick you into thinking I don't know anything about sports. I'm a very invested, uh, knowledgeable sports person. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dad, you've misread the audience here. We're a movie podcast, oh, not a oh, sports right. podcast. Okay, sorry. No one's going to care about this, although... <laughs> I, it does give me the chance to ask Nathan, what did you think of the Super Bowl trailers? Or should I say advertisements for trailers that exist online, which is a stupid trend that I hate. <laughs> uh, I was pretty underwhelmed by all of that stuff. I guess the best one by default would be Deadpool 3. And Dad, you can answer this as well. But did, did anything catch your eye? Anything? Were you moved to actually go to YouTube to watch any of these things? Um, I, I did rewatch the Wicked trailer just because I was, uh, somewhat confused about, I've never seen the, the play or musical or anything like that. So I did watch that on YouTube after, afterwards, and it looked pretty unengaging. It looks really similar to that terrible Sam Raimi movie, Oz the Great and Powerful. I don't know why people think and maybe this is more a critique of the musical. I don't understand why people think that the Wizard of Oz is a really compelling world that we need to be spending a lot of time going back to and digging into the rich history of. I don't, I've never felt like <laughs> I wanted to learn more about any of the characters. So that was silly. I do think Deadpool 3 looked mediocre it had no jokes in the trailer that made me laugh but it also didn't have any that made me want to go and kick a 14 year old for writing it so i guess there was that sort of positive thing this is kind of neat i didn't go back and rewatch the trailer but twisters that trailer for the movie that looked basically the same as twister is actually being directed by the guy who made minari that's lee isaac chung's new movie Wow. So, yeah, pretty exciting. Yeah, so here's where your father distinguishes himself from his children. I, I didn't really think about oh, the boy. movie trailers in any significant depth at all. Although I, I, I apparently missed the Deadpool 3 trailer because I might have been interested in that one. But yeah, That's... none of the others really caught my attention at all. That's because it was 10 seconds long and ended with... Mm trailer full trailer online that's what they're doing um, nowadays i guess because it's so expensive to buy space they just say like oh yeah just watch the trailer online but okay. i'm i like deadpool all right and i i like the idea of him <laughs> hanging out with wolverine that's interesting but yeah it's not like the trailer was like Woo, that's that's the coolest thing ever uh monkey man that looked interesting Oh, I guess I had already seen the trailer for Monkey Man, so that could have been new for for other people, I suppose. Anyway, as is already as is evident, our father does not know much about movies, so he was never going to get an opportunity to come on this podcast unless we found something that he, like Lydia, could speak into in a different way than Elliot or I. And we actually did we did find that movie. So, Elliot, do you want to care to, I think you picked this movie, but maybe not, but do you care to introduce the film and why we have our father on the podcast to talk about this film? Sure. Uh, so today we're talking about the 2002 uh, 
movie City of God, directed by Fernando... Dad, help. Uh, Meireles. Meireles, uh, and co-directed by... Take it away. Katya Lund. There you go. Braulio Montavani. That's the script oh, that's writer. Script. Sorry. All right, it's just, all right, I'll cue you <laughs> when I need you to talk. Okay, I'm so excited. Um, so this, uh, Nathan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this one best foreign film, the year it came out, you're giving me a no? W- wasn't even nominated. Wasn't it was even Brazil's nominated. submission. And, well, and it's kind of similar to Anatomy of the Fall, I guess. Because, well, not entirely similar, because Anatomy of the Fall was picked as, wasn't picked as French's, France's submission, but City of God was nominated for, I think, screenplay, uh, cinematography, director, and something else. But then, yeah, not selected for Best Foreign Film. So it wasn't even nominated. Wow, that's quite a feat to get nominated for all that stuff and not nominated for Best Foreign Film. Doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, this movie is based on a book of, a same, of the same name by, hold on a second, I like to credit people when I can. Paolo Linz, right? Yes. Um, but also, I, this is weird to me. It says, based on the book of the same name, but also loosely based on real events. So I guess it's a mixture of the two. Uh, or the book is somehow not loosely based on true events. But the book slash true events in question are the, uh, the the youth of a young man living in the favelas, which is basically a ghetto or a slum uh, in Brazil called the City of God. Uh, or if you're speaking Portuguese, what is it, Dad? Cidade de Deus. There you go. Um, where he is trying to get out of poverty because who likes living in poverty or living in favelas? Not me, that's for sure. Uh, his route through for this is to become a photographer, but sort of parallel to this, we have the things that he's photographing, which is, of course, crime. You can't have ghettos without crime. Uh, in this case, crime provided to us by, uh, what was his name? Lil, Lil Zay? Yeah, Zepikino. Uh, that uh and, and his sort of like godfather-esque machinations to take over the crime world of the uh, city of god which puts him into conflict with carrot isn't that his name yes carrot another gangster uh who runs a an opposing gang and they all have a big fight over who's the coolest murderer <laughs> slash racketeer slash uh general thug good stuff uh, I did not choose this movie, Nathan, actually. It was your week to choose, and I suggested this movie because uh, Dad had months ago suggested it to be the one to get him on the podcast. So I don't actually have a reason for um, choosing this movie. We're going to have to look to our guest. Dad, why did you want to watch this movie? Why did you want to talk about it? And give the audience a little bit of... Maybe they can already guess because of your spot-on uh, <laughs> translation and pronunciation, but why does why is this movie important to you? Why does it have a place in your heart? Well, I, I chose this movie, or I was interested in you guys reviewing this movie, uh, because I use this movie in my Latin American politics class as a way of engaging the students with poverty in Brazil, with violence in Brazil, 
with Brazilian culture and that sort of environment. I, I feel in my classes that film is a good way for students to experience another part of the world since I can't seem to win the lottery, so I can't take them to these other countries that I teach about. So film is a way to get into that. Uh, and so C City of God was a film that I is a film that I use regularly in my Latin American politics class. Uh, and so I was just curious how you would evaluate a film that I use primarily for the lessons that it can teach to my students about, about Brazil and about Latin America in general. So I was curious about what you would think about it as a film. Um, I will also mention, since I've been preparing this bit, that it felt a lot like a documentary of my childhood. That's exactly the way. <laughs> because Nathan said that what he wanted me to do was to sort of compare my experience with what I was seeing in the film. So yeah, it, it felt a lot like Vovo was just like Little Zé. <laughs> No, so that was that was why I was interested in uh, you guys reviewing the film, and 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 uh, I was interested in talking about it. I have a lot of things that I think are really powerful about the film as a way to engage with Latin American politics and culture and and things of that nature. Well, that's tough. Uh, school trips to Brazil were always going to struggle <laughs> against school trips to New Zealand or Germany or places that places that are nice that yeah, people want to go. And what I was actually trying to get you to say, Dad, clearly you did not pick up on this, Sorry. was that Dad is half Brazilian. His father is Brazilian. Vovô is Portuguese for grandpa, right? Yes. Um, and he spent his high school years in Brazil, which is why this, as a part of why this uh, film... Into, I, I went to two and a half years of high school in Brazil. There you go. Yeah. Well, I say two and a half years. It was eighth grade, freshman year, halfway through sophomore year was what I spent in Brazil. But actually, part of that that was interesting, and Elliot can attest to this, when the reporter, the anchor person, came on TV in that one section towards the end, I burst out because I remember that guy. I mean, I watched that guy on the evening news in Brazil when I lived there from 79 to 81. So I immediately recognized him. I recognized his voice. I recognized his style. Because in Brazil, when I lived there, there was only one network. So you didn't really have, oh, do you watch CBS or NBC? No, you watched Hedy Global, TV Globe. Uh, and that was all anybody watched. And so we all watched the same evening news program. So I recognized him. And all, the other thing that I would share, since I have this in my notes, that whole scene on the bus where you have the guy in the middle who's getting money and you have to go through the turnstile and to the other side. I remember that vividly going from home to school and school back, having to get on the bus in the back, having to give the money to the cashier. If you were short enough and appeared young enough, you could go underneath the turnstile. And I did that probably several months after I really should have and, until finally one one cashier was like, uh, I don't think you're really young enough to be getting away with that. And so then I I quit doing that. But I, I, I remember that exactly where you, because you couldn't turn it because the boss would expect the cash to reflect that person going through the turnstile. So you had to go under the turnstile. That was another thing that really, that was like, oh yeah, that's that was Brazil to me, riding on the bus, <laughs> and sneaking underneath the turnstile. 
Okay, anyway, Dad, I'm going to need you to save up material for when we get done with the introduction, which we are not done with yet. Sorry. I'm just so excited. Um, so what? how we usually do things, which you would know if you actually listen to this program. <laughs> well, you've only done it a couple of times. <laughs> well, anyway, you don't need to get into that. Uh, we, we start with opening thoughts, which Dad has already kind of jumped the gun on, but... Um, so I guess we can start with the guest. Uh, let's have your opening thoughts about the movie. And let's make these brief. Actually, the listeners are probably <laughs> understanding now where I get my long-windedness from. <laughs> so now I have a I have an appreciation, Nathan, for you when you say, Elliot, you need to keep these things brief. Let's have, Dad, your brief thoughts on the movie as a movie. We can get more into right. cultural stuff and political analysis okay. and all that good stuff later. But as a movie, as a narrative with characters shot on on film in a yeah. visual style what do you think about it? yes so as a movie what i was most impressed with and what resonated what what resonated with me as a film goer was that i felt like all the characters were very natural again as someone who's familiar with brazilian culture and brazilian speech patterns and and those kind of things it all felt very natural the way those people were talking the way they were interacting with each other the you know the the use of language it all felt very natural that these seem like natural people as far as the acting goes um i thought that it it certainly did a nice job of reflecting visually how gray well not gray how sort of orange and dusty and dirty that that space is uh that that you know i lived on a road that was a orange clay dirt road uh, when I lived in Brazil. And so everything is covered mm. in orange dust, no matter how often you clean it. Uh, and, you know, animals in the street, uh, all of those kind of things were very consistent with what, what, how I experienced Brazil. Obviously, I wasn't living in the favelas. That piece was different. I was in lower middle class kind of neighborhood. Uh, but a lot of it was very good. So I felt like that piece of it was very uh, powerful. And then I'll finish with um, this film has one of the most impactful scenes uh, that I've ever witnessed in a film when uh, Zepikenu is confronting the runts, the small children, and shoots the one boy in the foot and then is telling the other one that's with him, you know, pick which one you're going to kill. I remember the first time I saw that scene just being broken by it, that it was just so astonishingly for some, a child that age to be going through that kind of thing and having to make that kind of decision was just like almost unimaginable. Uh, and so I, it, it wasn't as impactful this time. I was a little surprised that it wasn't as impactful as it was the first time I saw the scene. Uh, but again, there were a number of those kind of scenes that I thought were, were very, very powerful in terms of the way the story moved along. Because it made you, it reminded you of when you had to make a similar decision in, in your gang initiation. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I remember that vividly. Uh, me and the other guys in, uh, in Trapichi neighborhood having to decide which one of us to kill. Yeah, it was rough. This this doesn't. No one listens to this, right? Isn't that? I don't have to. Well, worry the Brazilian about police don't listen. To us, <laughs> okay, so as long as we'll the Brazilian right. police don't listen, we're good. Uh, Nathan, you're the only the only one other one who's seen this movie before, so let's have your opening thoughts and also your opening thoughts in relation to what you thought about the movie the first time. 
yeah, I first saw this movie uh, a while ago. I want to say way back, almost in high school, just because this is, I, I don't know if we've already mentioned it, but it was nominated for quite a few Oscars, and I think it is con still currently considered one of the greatest films of the 20th century, one of the most pivotal foreign films in terms of America's interest in foreign movies. It made quite a big splash and got quite a few people into watching more foreign films. It even created quite a, quite a burst of cinema and a birth of quite a few new filmmakers in Brazil because of its global popularity and its popularity specifically in America. So I watched it because it was on more than a few lists of greatest movies of all time and things like that. And I remember really enjoying it. I mean, enjoying it in the sense that it was a very good movie, not enjoying it in the sense that I was having very much fun watching it. But I felt very similar to what Dad said, not that I had the same experience, but that it feels very real. It's filmed in a way to make you just be immersed in the culture and the narrative of all of these different characters, all of these different people. And it really wants you to think that you're seeing something that's real, something that really happened, something that a person experienced, something that a person could film, that it's almost got a documentary style to the way it's put together, that it's got some over narration and a lot of the camera movements are very naturalistic. And I really enjoyed that sort of quality about it, especially how kind of unbelievable a story some of this move some of these moments are that you it's just hard to believe that something like that happened that something like that could happen to especially I think watching it this time something that came across to me was just how young so many of these characters are I mean even outside of the runs who are explicitly like barely past toddler they look so incredibly young all of the main characters in this movie at the time of their death are not very old are not you know tremendously old people so it's it's an astonishing story told with an astonishing style that i think really captures the people's attention and keeps you invested in a way that i don't know every movie would have so i i really enjoyed it the first time and i felt pretty much the same the second time that it's just it's really an impressive film. But Elliot, this was your first time watching it. So, you know, what are your first thoughts? And then we can finally get this thing into the reviewing part. <laughs> okay, so first of all, a couple thoughts. Nathan just said it's an astonishing story told with. That is not grammatically correct. It's told with. Second of all, Dad, this is an audio format, so I'm going to need you to refrain from clicking pens and coughing and getting up and moving around, because that's going to be tough for our editor, Nathan. <laughs> Finally, um, it's interesting to hear you guys talk about this movie, mostly in relation to its, like, <clears throat> cultural impact um, and cultural content, because I certainly understand that that is appealing I I liked this movie well enough. I have some problems with it as a movie, mm. as as a narrative, because I think that the split focus between Rocket, the photographer, and Lil Zay, 
the gangster doesn't isn't always calibrated correctly. Like there are long stretches of one without the other, which um, is similar to the issue that I had with um, Nope. That there were long stretches. When you have long stretches without a character, it's it's hard for you to then make that character super engaging or compelling or feel really central to the narrative because like how can it be how can he be central to the narrative if he's constantly disappearing um i liked the way this was shot it reminded me a lot of catherine bigelow's style like nathan like you said the documentary style um not so much in terms of the oversaturated colors and and insane dutch angles and face sweat that's more michael bay's thing (laughs) not that this movie is anywhere near michael bay's level because this movie is higher, I, I want to say. It doesn't matter. Uh, the point is, I thought, that I I guess, like, I don't put as much emphasis on that kind of thing because when that, when that, when that kind of stuff comes to the fore of a movie, I'm like, okay, you need to do something to make this better than just reading a Wikipedia article about crime in Brazil because uh, for me... And this is something that's very personal to me. For me, that that works for me. Like, if I read a Wikipedia article that says, like, oh, yeah, children were shooting people and were being gangsters, I would have probably the same emotional reaction as if I just saw it on a movie. There needs to be something more... Telling a story needs... You need to have a stronger story for that, uh, is my opinion. I don't think that this movie quite got there. I think that it's good. It's interesting. Um, and it's not a complete failure as a story, as a narrative, but I do think that I, it's a little, it's a little underwhelming as a story, but, um, let's actually, now that we've talked for 25 minutes, let's actually start the review. Um, (laughs) what? It felt like a review to me. Okay. Well, (laughs) shush. I'm not the professional. You're not the professional. Or don't shush, because actually we're going to start with you. Um, what, where should we start? Let's start with, uh, oh gosh. Well, where do you want to start, Dad? Well, so the first thing that occurs to me in terms of the way that you guys often start is with characters, or it feels like you often start with characters and mm-hmm. and the, the whether the characters work and stuff like that. Um, I was thinking that uh, the the character of Zé Pequeno, uh, the little Zé, uh, was a very well established character from the moment where he derives such pleasure from shooting all the people in the hotel, which I, I get a sense was sort of his first time doing something like that. And he's like, I really enjoy killing people that that trajectory in terms of how he develops into someone who's able to essentially gain control of drug trafficking in the favela by killing off everybody else made sense as a sort of character arc. Um, I also felt like the relationship between Zepikeno and Benet, or Ben, I think was how it was translated, Benet, um, as his best friend was a very interesting dynamic because Benet wasn't as overtly violent and in fact was sort of the moderating influence on Zepikeno in relation to the, the Senora, the carrot, the, the last rival drug trafficker standing was kind of a mediator between them to say, well, we don't need to take him out. It's okay for him to have his space. We've got plenty of space of our own. 
that'll be all right. Um, I did feel like the um, Rocket character might have been a little underdeveloped, and maybe that was a function of what you said, because there were so many lengthy sections where he wasn't present that it was hard to get as good a feel of who he is. And I mean, you, you mentioned him wanting to be a photographer, but it felt like that was just sort of a sprinkled kind of thing. It wasn't a, you know, how do I get to the point where I'm a journalist and a photographer? I didn't really feel like that was motivating him as much as it seemed like it should. Um, I also thought it was interesting that he had a best friend that we got very little sense of. I'm not even sure we ever heard what his name was. Uh, even though he was regularly with Rocket in a variety of different scenes, but we got very little, we got to know very little about him. Uh, so uh, those were some of the things that I thought of in terms of characters. Um, I thought that, um, oh shoot, uh, Ned, what did they call him? Knockout Ned. Mm. Yes. Which, which actually, I, I read this, uh, the actual translation of his nickname would be something chicken, but they felt like, well, you can't translate it that way into English because people will think that he's afraid because you don't nickname someone chicken when you are, when they're a strong character. Yeah. So that's why they called him Knockout Ned because his name actually means something or other chicken. But he was also, I, I felt like his sort of descent into mobdom also felt a little sudden in, in some ways. Um, so those were some of the things that I thought about in terms of the characters, but but I did think that they're again their acting, the the way in which they presented themselves was very felt very natural and appropriate for the kind of characters they were playing. Uh, well, I'm gonna go next. Uh, sorry, Nathan. <laughs> I agree. I think that definitely the the sort of like headline for this movie is naturalistic, uh, naturalistic acting, naturalistic uh, cinematography necessarily naturalistic uh colors because the colors are noticeably saturated um but naturalistic lighting the, de the movie definitely has an atmosphere and an aesthetic that it wants you to that it wants to immerse you in and i think it achieves it it achieves that um no question i guess i would say that in terms of characters george orwell uh before he died was writing an essay a review of a book I can't remember what it's called, but the like crux of his problem with the book was that it had all these all these great ideas and all these great settings and um all this great prose, but the author didn't seem really interested in her main character. Her main character was just kind of a viewpoint, a viewport for the audience that she would point at different settings or ideas or why are you giving me that look, Nathan? Well, I just think it's interesting that Orwell would say something oh. like that when that would be the main critique I would levy at his most famous piece of literature. Well, fair enough. But anyway, that was his that was his problem with the book. And I, I agree about 1984, but it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. The point is that I would apply the same criticism to this movie, that the movie doesn't seem really interested in its characters, um, which is kind of a product of the movie's ultimate endgame which i agree with both of you is more about sort of giving you a slice of life of uh what it's like to live in the favelas specifically in the city of god favelas which is fine i understand that i understand that that's the point but i do think that 
I don't think that these two goals are antagonistic to each other. I think that, in fact, having stronger characters uh, would enhance the movie's immersion factor into this setting because people have thoughts about where they live. They have thoughts about what's happening around them. And the fact that these characters didn't really seem to have that, that they never really seemed to, I don't know, react to, and maybe this is just because, like, this is just normal, so you don't really react to things that are normal, but certainly I got the sense that the the gang war between uh, Lil Zay and um, Carrot was unusual for its brutality and its violence. I feel like there was a lot of opportunity there for characters to then sort of really ground themselves in that but again, the movie's not really interested in them as characters. It's interested. It's interested in them as products of this environment. It's you know, we're interested in the environment, which is fine. I understand that. I think it achieved that goal, but I do think that that goal sort of hurt it. In and its approach to that goal hurt it in these other categories. Yeah, that's that's interesting, Elliot. That that's. Uh, your issue, because I would have to, I mean, I, I somewhat agree the characters aren't super fully developed, but I think this is another one of those cases, maybe not another one of those cases, but I think this is a case where a lot of the ideas sort of in the movie about what the movie is presenting is going to come from the audience and not necessarily the characters. I think it would have been really detrimental to the quality of the film if one of the characters did start talking about giving their own opinion on the circumstances of pretty much their own life. There's not a huge number of circumstances where I do that, where I turn to someone and say, wow, isn't this crazy? Maybe we should talk about, you know, something deeper. And I think especially if I was concerned with being shot in a gang war, I would be even less interested in the philosophy or the deeper meaning of some of the things that were happening around me. I, I think the strength of this movie does lie in kind of the immediacy of so many of the characters that they follow storylines that are so immediately compelling that you don't have to do a lot in order to make them compelling beyond that things like knockout Ned's story i mean something like that where he experiences so much trauma at the hands of lil zay it's just immediately compelling we're immediately kind of rooting for him and we're wanting him to succeed especially since we've been watching lil zay go around killing wantonly killing without any sort of remorse or further thinking which is never excite something that's exciting to never never something that we're happy about having to watch and then i i somewhat agree that rocket is maybe one of the weaker characters in the movie because he doesn't necessarily have that strong of a storyline and his storyline is much more spread out compared to a lot of the other characters where right knockout ned's story really just encompasses 20 30 minutes of the movie same with benny or 
Ben, I don't know how Benet. I was saying it. <laughs> Benet. But a lot of these characters, their storyline is very sort of compressed, so it is boiled down to its most immediate attention-grabbing details, whereas Rocket's story is ostensibly told over the course of the entire film and is the story of right a, a kid trying to get out of this place. But it's not framed sort of as such. There's very little of Rocket talking about his desire to get out of this, his desire to have some upward mobility in terms of class, his class specifically. But I, I still think they're very compelling characters. And even if Rocket does exist more as a narrative device in order to tell all of the stories of all of these different people... I still think he has a pretty decent uh, story happening in the background and almost serves in my head as a counterpoint to the violence of the main story that while all of these other characters are going through high school and going through sort of growing pains and in the process of, of that killing all these people, Rocket is doing the same thing in a more normal way. A lot of Rocket scenes, to me, felt like scenes from American Graffiti or Dazed and Confused or any of these hangout movies, right, where characters are just chilling. They're trying to sleep with that woman that they really like. They're trying to get the job they want. Rocket scenes are what we would expect people of that age to be doing. And so he serves almost as a counterpoint or a mode of contrast to the violence and the brutality of the other characters constantly reminding you hey this is this is what we would expect this is what's a bit more normal in our culture and here's what's more normal in this setting and in this culture is these characters joining gangs and dealing drugs and doing these things so in that sense i thought again i'm working myself back into liking the movie more as i'm talking about it <laughs> Because I, I think even though Rocket is maybe one of the blander characters in the movie and doesn't have as strong of a character arc, I think in terms of my enjoyment of the movie and my enjoyment of the ideas the movie are try is trying to present, I think he's still a fairly compelling part of that structure. Okay, well, first of all, I want to say that's a little bit unfair phrasing because obviously I'm not advocating for the characters to just stop what they're doing, <laughs> look into the camera, and start monologuing about the philosophy of violence. <laughs> so I'm just going to discard that as, uh, as a counter-argument. What I'm saying is that these characters do not really appear to have very – do not really appear to have internal lives. Uh, for, for me – now, maybe this is just personal tasting, but for me – in order for a character to be compelling and engaging, they have to feel like a real person with history and a life outside of the camera. For me, it seems like these characters' lives stop and start based on when the camera is looking at them. And that makes them feel fake, is the problem. So I'm actually kind of talking myself out of liking this as Nathan, as Nathan is in the oh, inverse man. of what Nathan's doing. Because... When a character doesn't feel like they exist outside of the movie, then you are very aware that you're watching a movie, and it loses that immersion factor, which, as we've been saying, is really what this movie is built on. And I agree that Knockout Ned is actually pretty compelling. He has a compelling character, and 
there are the foundations of a very compelling arc of him like starting out on this noble crusade to end Lil Zez, Lil Zez uh, his tyrannical rule and uh, get revenge for this terrible these terrible crimes that he's inflicted on them. But then they kind of rush through that. And what I ended up thinking rather than like, wow, this is so compelling. This is so engaging is more like, why is this movie not about knockout net? Like, this is where the interesting stuff is happening. This is where the compelling stuff is happening. So it just kind of brought into more stark relief, the moments where it would break away to talk about someone else who was less interesting like rocket or honestly like Lil Zeth, because for, as compelling as he is as an antagonist, which he absolutely is, like I was rooting for this guy to get his comeuppance. Mm -hmm. He's a truly terrible person. But as a character, he's very one note, very simple, very two-dimensional. So that that's that's what I think. Um, but Nathan, I think you did have something you wanted to say. I don't want to deprive you of that chance. Uh, or uh, Dad, if you have anything else to add, we can sort of, Go ahead. Nathan can go next. I do have something I'm curious about. There you go. Well, no, Ali, I was just going to belittle you. So I was. Oh, I was okay. Well, we don't need to hear that. We don't need to hear that. You do that plenty <laughs> off camera. <laughs> that's the story off camera that's always a part of the narrative. Exactly. Go ahead, Dad. Well, so actually, so what I was thinking was what, what feels to be absent here. And actually, it occurs to me in terms of one of the things that I want my students to sort of reflect on coming out of this film is that there's a section of the film where life in Cidade de Deus is pretty good because Zepicano does not allow anyone else to come in and rob or rape. I think he specifically refers to rape as these things are not allowed in my territory and I will hammer anyone who brings that kind of stuff into my city. Uh, and so for a, for some period of time, his rule was not tyrannical in the sense that the average people living in the favela actually had it better because the police were never going to do anything mm -hmm. about that stuff. And so Zepikin was kind of uh, finding that kind of enforcement. And so I want my students to reflect on what does that mean when criminals are the one who, ones who provide public services? I mean, there are parts of Colombia where the drug traffickers pay for the schools, they build the roads, they fund the hospital. I mean, all because of the way, you know, the government can't penetrate these areas. Criminals are providing those public services. So what, what does it mean to live in a space where the government isn't providing those things? Instead, the criminals are. And so my question is, the, the, or the issue is the absence of anyone who is offering a sort of counter to that narrative, like a parent. There's like one scene where Rocket's parent appears and he's chastising Rocket's older brother for like having money or being a gangster or something like that. But other than that, there's really no one who offers a, well, is there some other way that we could operate in this space? Uh, and so I'm curious whether would that, uh, Nathan, would that detract from the film if there were some kind of conversation of that nature, maybe with, you know, I don't know who, it would, well, maybe with Benet and his girlfriend that, you know, she's talking about, you know, couldn't you do something different? Isn't there a way of living a, a life that wouldn't require this kind of criminality and so on? Or would that sort of undermine what the, what you believe the film is trying to get across? 
I don't think it would undermine it, but I also think, I don't, I think like all sort of great movies that are about uh, a very difficult and complex topic, I don't think the movie is necessarily prescribing anything specific. I don't think anything in the movie is saying that Lil Ze is completely without any redeeming qualities or his, or these, it's presenting the situation as it is, not telling you how it should be. It's saying, look, he did provide, you're, you're right, he was providing sort of a bit of a positive change in the neighborhood. He had a bit of a positive effect. I think personally, I would say the inevitable sort of decline of anyone who exists outside the law providing a positive effect is that if they then fail to continue to be creating that positive effect, the negative ramifications of that, as we see in the movie, can be horrific. That as soon as he stops doing that, as soon as someone, as we've seen in the movie, without very much in terms of a moral framework or any sort of moral fiber, as soon as he stops having a positive moral compass, which we already know he doesn't really have, mm -hmm. the detriment to the community is astonishing. It's so awful. And I think, and again, this is sort of to the credit of the movie that I think you can have a lot of these conversations about what the movie is depicting, that it manages to pull through over the course of all of these different stories it tells to pull on a lot of these threads and topics that you could talk about in regards to this environment, this area, these people that you can talk about well, he was having a positive effect. So does that mean there was a bit of good to what he was doing? And there was a bit of like, this is a system that maybe works. And even I think in terms of knockout Ned, that it's not completely really comprehensively shown, but we can see that he, at first he doesn't want to kill anyone. And then he does decide based on carrot saving his life that you should be able to use right lethal force in order to save someone else and then that ends up being the thing that gets him killed i vividly when the flashback with auto started i vividly remembered watching that i was taken right back to the first time i watched it that i think it's such an astonishing moment that this character who's kind of presented as a bit of a positive counterpoint to Lil Zed that he's in this just to kill him and in this from a very you know maybe a bit more positive moral start that there is no positives to something like this to a pursuit of justice that involves being okay with having to kill people because inevitably people are connected to that person right that auto was connected to his father and was there to avenge his father. He was there for just as righteous a reason, ostensibly righteous a reason as Ned's reason for being there to kill Lil Zed that, you know, the classic saying, eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind, that we can't help but destroy things in our pursuit of destruction, in our pursuit of destroying other people. And I, I think the movie is very compelling and very interesting because it presents all of these things without necessarily being judgmental towards them. It's presented in a way to let you, the viewer, step in and make your own decisions and make your own calls about 
what these sort of complex moral happenings. This is a bit more of the thematic element of the movie, but I, I think it's one of the strongest elements of the movie. Well, I think that the for me, the movie is just becoming increasingly more scattershot as you're talking. Because you're talking about like it's doing all these things and addressing all these questions, but it's not really giving space for any of them to breathe. Because what, what frustrates me is what you were talking about, Dad, about like the criminals provide basically mm -hmm. stepping into the role of government. That's fascinating. That's actually really interesting. So why is that not more of a focus in this movie? Why don't we see like – again – it's the it's the show don't tell problem that we're hearing like oh Lil Zay is kind of like fixing things up and people are happier why aren't we seeing that why don't we have a scene it doesn't even require that much of like just a scene of Lil Zay maybe walking through a market and people just like shaking his hand or saying like thanks thanks for thanks for helping out that kind of thing I'm not asking for that much is what I'm saying here because like. The kind of stuff that you're talking about, that's actually really interesting. But again, like, that's something that you make a movie about, not like a section about or a few mm. scenes about. And I think that the problem is that, again, we keep on we're, – we're, our focus is so divided that we can't really let these ideas breathe and let them come to the front and let them kind of develop. Because, um, like, the thing with Knockout Ned, that's interesting. The, the idea of somebody – sort of losing themselves in their pursuit for justice, that's interesting. But it's undercut when the moment of his turning, the moment when, like, he starts out saying, no innocent people, we won't kill any innocent people. Carrot's like, fine, all right. And then eventually, there's a moment where he does shoot an innocent person. He kills this, like, security guard who's trying to take, who's trying to arrest Carrot or something in a bank, which is, as we learn later, the seed of his downfall. Like, that's the guy who... That's Otto's father. So why is that so brief? Honestly, it reminds me, I'm I, I'm really sorry. I'm not trying to be combative here or like trying to get you angry at me because I'm about to say something that I know you're not going to like. But it reminds me of problems with the Star Wars prequels where like Anakin, Anakin feels like uh, the, the Jedi Order is falling. And so like, why are there not, why is there not a moment where, you know, Oh, there's the you know. Gosh dang it. It's funny because... Well, it's just funny because Dad said you know a whole bunch, which I just find humorous. Well, I know, but I'm, so I'm supposed to be the orator here. Uh, but anyway, like, the, the moment where Anakin is being asked to do things that are against the Jedi Order, that should be huge. That, that should be, like, a really big moment in the film, but the film just skates right past it. And the same thing happens with Knockout Ned. Like, that should be big. This guy, this tragic hero has just violated his moral code because he's become so consumed with his quest for violence. And it happens like that. Interesting. I, I, I think this is just, and I'm fine with you getting competitive, Elliot. We get more views the angrier we sound. So this is perfect. <laughs> I, I think it's just having a different... I think maybe my bar for what I consider a movie having covered an idea is maybe just a little bit lower than yours. I would say it's not as low as the Star Wars prequels. I would agree a legitimate critique of those movies is that all of its interesting ideas are so far in the background as to be 
basically non-existent and serve very little function in the story. But I, I would I would not say that that critique for me uh, applies to City of God. I think this movie because it has so many different ideas and because the situations it's depicting are so sort of complex, I think it makes the right call in saying, I'm not going to sit here and just talk about one thing. I'm going to try and talk about all of the things. And hopefully it'll pull on your ability to think enough that you want to continue discussing and talking about and thinking about all of the different threads that it represents. But I don't think it's doing that in a way that is so minimal that I'm trying, I'm having to make up stuff. Again, I think all of the ideas that I'm thinking about have specific moments in the movie that caused me to think about those ideas. So I would consider that a, a positive element of the film. Well, I think that the movie's reach really ex- ex- over, what's the phrase? Reach? Outstrips its grasp, its grasp, whatever. Because, um, like, yeah, the, the, it just seems scattershot to me. And, like, if a movie's going to address something... You, I think that if a movie's addressing something complex, then, like, I wouldn't say having moments that fit on a post-it note qualifies <laughs> for it addressing things. <laughs> like, textual, textual evidence, remember. We need more textual evidence than just, like, a glance or a shot. But... No one cares. It doesn't matter. Or some people care. Well, people in Brazil probably yeah. care. Yes, they do care. Um, let's talk about uh, if we're done. I'm good if we move on. Well, okay. <laughs> That's right. I get the last word, and that means I win. Um, let's talk about the movie's style, because this was something that I that I was interested in. I feel like this movie is kind of in dialogue with Tarantino a bit, a bit with Scorsese, um, especially the story of the apartment. There's this place Mm. where a character named Blackie, uh, it's like his headquarters for distributing drugs, uh, and it's called the apartment. It's like an institution in this place. And so there's a moment where they, again, take a break from the actual story to give the the story of this apartment, which is, I find it a little frustrating, but... I understand it's an interesting stylistic choice. And again, it really reminded me of Tarantino. Um, that's that's very much his style where he kind of like shades in things as he goes. Um, and then the Scorsese thing, just like the romanticization of gangsters, like everyone in the favelas or most children in the favelas want to be a gangster. That's what they've grown up wanting to be. Like Lil Ze is a sadistic little psychopath. And he wants to be a gangster, um, but so do so many of the other children. They talk about, like, wanting to be that. That's like, which is, again, could have been interesting if the movie had spent more time developing the idea that these children see the only way out as being crime. Because the police aren't going to help. The government's gonna help, not going to help. The government's military dictatorship at this point. Um and military dictatorships are famously not really interested in bettering the lives of their citizens or doing anything worthwhile. Well, okay, let's be clear. They're not interested in bettering the lives of the poor citizens. There you go. The rich citizens, they mm. do want to live a good, safe, and prosperous <laughs> life. So don't don't be too critical of military regimes. Well, that's very noble <laughs> of them. I'm glad. <laughs> well, 
If you're done, can I interject here real quick? Go ahead. Because obviously, since I do not have the expertise that you boys have about film stylistic dynamics, I do have a couple of questions, though, because I felt like that in the introductory scene with the knife and the sort of cuts to the chicken and stuff like that felt different than the rest. And then the scene where little Zag gets his new name with like some Makumba is the sort of, uh, what do they call it in Haiti? The voodoo, doctor? Yeah, the voodoo kind of stuff that's not uncommon in Brazil. So there's a scene where he sort of gets his new name and it's also very fuzzy and kind of a different style. Um, so those two scenes as being sort of separate from the more naturalistic style, I'm curious whether those were weird decisions to you? Did they feel natural to you? Uh, I thought they felt very that I love the style of this movie, which is kind of interesting for me because it does, it is very sort of early 2000s. It has a lot of those quick cuts, weird camera angles, kind of funky sort of editing a little bit. But I felt like it really worked, especially, yeah, that opening scene does so much to introduce you to the type of story you're about to see. It's a story with a lot of energy. It's very frenetic. It's very much going to be giving you kind of bits and pieces of things, and then you're going to have to patch them together somewhat yourself. And I think the movie did such a fantastic job of, with all of these stories it's telling, of consistently maintaining a very exciting and interesting style. I just finished reading this book about uh, Stanley Kubrick, and in it he talks about how much he would try to, every time he sat down to outline sort of a scene, talk about how can I film this in an interesting way? How can I make the audience watch this in a way that is visually interesting and maintains their interest? And I think this movie does such a phenomenal job at that thing. It use it dips its paintbrush into so many different visual styles and then uses them to tell all of these different things. Like you said, like with the witch doctor, it goes into a bit more a bit more of a impressionistic sort of thing to and it does this a couple of other times. It does a similar thing when Ned's girlfriend is raped by Lil Zed that it uses a it uses very uh, limited shots of what is actually happening to give you the impression and make sure you understand a bit of what's happening without having to show something explicitly, which I kind of appreciate. Uh, the story of the apartment was another moment I wrote down in my notes. I th it's such a cool shot. It's such a neat uh, way that it just sets the camera in one location and then slowly goes through all of the different people who used to use the apartment which i thought was so neat as it fades in and out and you can see the degradation of the apartment over time as different people who are further and further involved in the drug world take over the apartment and yeah i i really enjoyed the style of this movie i think it's fantastically edited it has so much energy it's so exciting and it manages at least for me, to maintain my excitement for every new section because it's going to have a different way of looking at it. It's going to have a different way of filming it, a different style that's appropriate for the thing. Uh, I, I mean, if I was just going to sit here and go through all of the scenes that I thought were so neat and filmed so interestingly, 
we'd be here forever. The other one that really stood out was Benet's death when it the music changes to a new song and then the lights in the club become incredibly, um, I can't, strobing. It's a bit of a strobing effect and you can't see things. You just get flashes of what's happening and it's not clear you know, who has a gun and who's going to shoot who, and it's very exciting and tense, and it's filmed in a way that, for me, was very exciting. Well, here we really have gotten to just, like, just stylistic preferences, because one man's dynamic, um, evolving visual style is another man's, me, um, incoherent, directionless visual style. And that's a little bit harsher than what I actually mean. I don't think I didn't dislike this, um, but I did feel like there was no cohesion. There's little cohesion or like guiding star for this movie style that they were just kind of like, oh, let's do this now. Let's do this now. Let's do that. Ironically enough, it's very similar to what you said about um, the two popes, which of course was directed by this same director that they were just kind of doing things at random. That's how I felt about this movie. Um, Cause like the mm. time-lapse thing, I, I've seen that before. Time-lapse is not new to me. Um, so it just kind of felt randomly inserted. Um, and again, like this is very early 2000s. Um, so I guess like it just felt kind of generic to me because it reminded me a lot of traffic. Uh, if you've seen that movie or mm. even a bit of training day in terms of the just like the quick cuts and the insane angles and that kind of thing. So to me, and this is kind of the product of just being someone who's catching up on however many years of cinematic style and cinematic evolution that I'm like, this is a little played out. This is a little something that I've seen a lot before. It doesn't really impress me. Um, does it, it, it's, it's just like uh, what the heck is it called? Requiem for a to requiem for a dream, in terms yeah. of just the rapid edits, the the insane cuts. Um, so to me, it felt it just felt a little bit tired. Uh, it didn't feel bad. Like I will say that there are some early two thousands movies whose early two thousands ness really irritates me. Where I'm like, okay, the grunge and the grit and the color saturation. This just feels try hard edgy. I didn't get that from this movie at all. I feel like this was a real attempt at something. Like they were really swinging for the artistic fences. It's just for me, it fell a little bit short. Interesting. Well, I actually have a question here, and this is maybe more specifically for dad than anyone else. And since we've given up any pretense of having this episode come in under two hours, <laughs> As I was reading, I always like to go and see online what other people are sort of saying about this movie. And I always, especially if it's a movie I like, I like to see what negative reviews are saying of this movie. And one thing that cropped up more than a few times in negative reviews that I'm interested, Dad, on your take on is that this movie is glorifying the gangsters of the favelas, that it's uh, be, by depicting these, by focusing on the violence and the crime in these locations, instead of a story about 
anyone who's doing any good in the favelas or anyone who's trying to do any good or trying to be a good person. The movie is, just by depicting that, glorifying that and uh, pushing that to the forefront. I saw one uh, criticism by, uh, I guess, a, a famous rapper or a famous activist from the area that he said, it, it's a very negative thing for this movie to get huge because the stigma of living in the city of God is now going to follow anyone anywhere that people will go and say, oh, I'm from the city of God. And people who only know it from this movie will say, oh, then you're a thug, you're violent, you have killed people, you're a bad person, all of these things. Uh, and I think that I think that's kind of an interesting criticism because, I mean, Ellie and I just went to American Fiction a couple weeks ago, which had a similar criticism about art, specifically about Amer African Americans in the hood, that all of their movies are about them doing drugs, being violent, killing each other, all of these sorts of things, and that it ha can have a negative effect. But Dad, as someone with maybe a little more experience, and especially as someone who has his students watch this movie as a means to understand the culture of Brazil. Do you think these criticisms are unwarranted or do you think, do, do you think there is an element where we should be talking about or thinking about what stories we choose to depict in relation to the worst parts of our own society? Well, what, what immediately comes to mind, and this is cheating somewhat is what you say about films about war, right? That, if any time you depict something like uh, Saving Private Ryan and the violence of you know, D-Day is glorifying violence, well, then there's really no way of depicting violence without glorifying it. it it's, unless you're just not going to depict it at all, you're glorifying it. So I, I think there's a little bit of that going on in the sense that... Um, they're, they're, it's unavoidable. I mean, it is a part of the space, right? You, you can't argue that the violence that occurs in the favelas isn't a part of the lived experience of the people in the favelas. Now, obviously, this story is focusing on that piece, whereas if it was a story about someone else living in the favelas who is only tangentially engaging with the violence, then that's a different kind of story. But But that's a different kind of story. Uh, I think what, what resonates for me is in terms of the children is the fact that children who live in that kind of poverty just do not live the kind of life that you guys lived growing up here in Indianola, right? You've got to start working from an early age. You, you know, run around maybe without any shoes. Uh, you're in a home that may not have running water, uh, you know, there may be raw sewage running down the middle of the street. Those are lived experiences. And it seems to me that the only way to really engage with those kind of lived experiences is by seeing them, right? That, that if you told the story of someone in the favela, that's a more uplifting story and they went to school and got a degree and went on to become a journalist and their experience with violence was only this tangential thing that they heard in the distance, then it's not really the lived experience of people living in that space. Uh, so I, I would obviously disagree with that criticism. I don't think that it's glorifying it. I think the issue of 
um, characterizing someone as, oh, well, if you're from the favelas, then you must be this, this, and this. When I first moved, is inevitable, is unavoidable. When we first moved to Brazil, our friends, what they knew about the Midwest was Chicago and Al Capone. And so they assumed that, well, how often have, you know, uh, people selling moonshine shot at you while you were living? And I'm like, I lived in a town of 500 people, not much, you know, Al Capone violence going on around me, but that was what they saw. That's what they asked us about. So I think that piece is unavoidable, right? That, that you're not going to be able to guarantee that you're not going to get some people are going to conclude from the films that they see that, oh, well, then you must be like this. So that's my reaction to those, that criticism. Wasn't Al Capone active in like the 20s and 30s? Yeah, I know. That's what's really bad about it. <laughs> my friends in Brazil were not very well, you know, versed in American history. <laughs> well, that makes sense. I'm not very well versed in Brazilian history. So exactly. It's fair. Yeah. Um, I would say that I don't think that those just like play the devil's advocate a bit. I don't think those people are saying that like the problem is the depiction itself. That There's no way to depict that and still come away with like a healthy honest movie i think the, the the devil is in the details here where the it, it matters how you depict it and for the record i agree i don't think that this movie re, is glorifying or romanticizing violence or gangsters or anything the people in it are like i said mm -hmm. the children romanticize gangsters and that's their idea of success but i think that that's a product of their environment um which the movie is aware of and the movie is trying to get across but like the idea is for Saving Private Ryan or like war movies, if you're depicting soldiers as like heroic people, kicking butt, taking names, um, just like basically if there are like really uh, triumphant shots and mm. soaring music, that's when you're glorifying. That's when you're trying to make war look cool. Uh, whereas Saving Private Ryan is more like it's more like matter of fact, it's more naturalistic, it's more like people lying on the beach with their guts hanging out, where it's like, oh, that's not cool, that's actually pretty miserable. So that's the that's the kind of the, the distinction there. But I agree, I don't think that this movie really has that problem. It has other problems that I've talked about, but yeah. <laughs> sure, interesting. Well, I, I, I think the next thing that I sort, and kind of the last sort of thing I have is, I. I don't think this movie is perfect either, Elliot. I don't want any of our listeners to come away thinking that. So the negatives for me that I have, I've talked very positively about the movie, but I do think there's some water to some of the criticisms that Elliot has had that uh, Rocket does feel very much, in my eyes, like just a narrative device, less that he's very much he's less of a character than a lot of the other characters in the movie. He's uh, less involved with the story that we're watching than a lot of the other characters. And sometimes it can feel weird to return to him and just be like, I, I don't care about this. I don't care about, you know, he's sleeping with some woman at his work. I don't care about that. That's not very interesting to me. I don't, I'm not invested in his story in that way. So there's some element to the movie that it does feel like he's just a product of how can we knit together all of these stories and they sort of came up with the character or the idea of this one person who's somewhat running as a consistent thread through all of them. 
but I, I think that's my biggest negative towards the movie is just th that Rocket feels a lot like a character. Because I, yeah, I'm really, I'm buying what a lot of this movie is selling. And what, what occurred to me is as a sort of negative, and, and again, maybe it's just because I'm old and, and have trouble following things. I did have a little trouble keeping track of who was enemy of whom that, you know, especially Blackie. When Blackie came back and was the one who shot Benet because he was trying to shoot uh, Zepikano, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I did not recognize him at all. I, I, I was unsure of who that person was. And so I, I did have because, again, there's so many people, there's so many hangers on and, you know, crowds of people always around all the time. And someone, I mean, other than the redheaded kid who was easy to keep track of, everybody else looked kind of interchangeable and didn't even wear like a distinctive clothes or anything like that. So that was something that I found a little dis disorienting was that there were just too many characters to try to keep track of. And that was a little bit of a problem to me. But again, that may be just because I'm old and senile. Yeah, you can't even tell your kids apart most of the time. So, <laughs> yeah, that that's a good point, Ryan. Oh, there it is. Uh, Elliot, do you have any negatives? You've talked very highly of the film so far. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've what I've mostly talked about is my negatives for this movie. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot to say to recommend this movie. Uh, it's really one of those times where I've just kind of talked myself into my own feelings. Um, I, I I don't think that this movie, to, to clarify, I don't think this movie's terrible or even all that bad. I think that it's just, um, it's overextending itself. It's, um, it's too scattershot in its approach and too disinterested in the things that really matter when you're telling stories, when you're trying to tell a story. Uh, for me, when I'm evaluating a story, I always start at the characters and the plot, and then I work outwards. Um, uh, that's when I start thinking about style and music, which this movie has very little of, and cinematography. Did I already say cinematography? doesn't matter. That's when I start thinking about other th the, those other things, because in when you don't have the characters and the story, then I just really... I really struggle to care. Uh, you you need to have a much stronger, more cohesive, more distinct visual style than this movie has in order for me to give it a pass on that basis. Um, but yeah, I don't think this movie's terrible. We haven't really talked about performances, which I think are great across the board. Um, a lot of these were, a lot of these people were no names in Brazil. They were just kind of like cast off the street. Uh, so I think in light of that, it's very impressive that they were able to get such good performances. Although maybe it's just a product of them like, oh, this is just kind of how I live my life. So I can just act like myself. A little bit. Well, it, if no one has any other final questions or thoughts or anything, maybe we should get to ratings. How, I'm See, sorry. Seeing none. How, how does ratings work? I'm not sure what 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 you mean by that. Oh my god! Well, well just listen along and you'll pick it up. <laughs> I thought I had. Don't I have to go first? Actually, uh, when it comes to the ratings, Dad, we're getting to that. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you can go first. I I guess yeah. Okay. Well, so so I know that 
I'm required to have a rating that is unique. And this actually worked really well since this is a film about Brazil. I'm, I, you did this film because I have a Brazilian heritage, lived in Brazil. That uh, Brazilian grades, there are three Brazilian grades. RI is failing. RR is sort of like passing. And then RS is superior. There's just three grades. That is the total range of possibilities. You're either failing, passing, or super, or superior. So I'm going to give it, and in in Portuguese, essi, which means RS. Wow. Okay, that's probably the best one. It's wow. better than uh, Jake's <laughs> going bowling and giving it a strike. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. Yeah. Or or AJ's. Color, color based. Oh yeah, that system. was that was probably the worst one. I'll go next to give it a palate, give us a palate cleanser before Nathan seconds Dad's opinion. Um, like I said about this movie, we usually uh, restate our oh, thoughts, yes. Yes. summarize Sorry, our thoughts, Sorry. but well, it's too late now. Um, just just to reiterate what I said, I don't think this movie's terrible or that bad. I just think that. Um, I respect this movie for taking a big old swing at its subject matter. I think that it's trying to do a lot. I don't think this is a lazy movie or uh, a movie that doesn't have any passion behind it. But I think that its reach exceeded its grasp. I think that it lacks a visual, a coherent, distinctive, um, unique visual style. I think that the way it approaches character and plot really undercuts a lot of what it's trying to do because there's no... There's no time to let any of these ideas breathe or develop, so it feels very suffocated and underdeveloped. This is not the rating that I was actually planning on giving this movie. I talked myself backwards into this, uh, but I'm going to I'm going to have to give it a C or uh, an R R. Yeah, R R. <laughs> or ehi ehi in the original Portuguese. There you go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Well, that's too bad. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I think the more I do this podcast, the more I discover Ellie and I really have nothing in common. So I think this this podcast is just going to be the gradual estrangement of our in our relationship. Because <laughs> I go from style and work inward, baby. We go themes first, character second. This movie, I I I really like the style of it. I think it's a very interesting movie i think it's uh like dad kind of said it's a window into a lived experience that could not be more different from my own and i think it presents a lot of the things that are very interesting and complex and difficult about that lived experience about the experience of the characters depicted in this movie i think it has a really exciting visual style it's got a very um diverse method of styles to communicate its ideas and characters and story in and it, it kept me really i actually had kind of planned on watching this movie while doing some work on my computer and i ended up doing very little work on my computer because this movie just sucked me in so fast with its exciting editing and cool visual style uh, so this actually is maybe a bit of a higher grade than i was going to originally give it uh, but i think i'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10 which again so doesn't that, fit Elliot. into the Brazilian scale because there, there's nothing in between passing well, no. and superior. 
Yeah, I guess I'd have to give it superior then if I'm given an idiotic three-part scale. Wow. <laughs> no offense to the Brazilian education system, of course. Of course. Um, anyway, now, Dad, hopefully you've remembered this through this marathon of an episode you've taken us through. Uh, but what, what film would you recommend people watch if they enjoyed this or if they didn't? Well, before I get to that, I am going to actually, there are two more things that I wanted to say about City of God. Sorry. Uh, One was one of the things that I thought was interesting was the absence of conspicuous wealth in terms of the mobsters. I mean, they're making all of this money selling drugs and yet they're living in these awful homes. They're not dressing particularly nicely. There's no really no cars to speak of, you know, like maybe a moped in one scene. Uh, So I thought that was interesting. And I think that's perhaps a reflection of that cultural dynamic in the favelas. And I also have to point out that the repeated translations of MF, yeah, not the original Portuguese. The original Portuguese is uh, essentially SOB is what would, what I would say is the translation of stuff that they were translating as MF was actually SOB. They don't, Brazilians, at least again, when I lived in Brazil, which was the time this film is set, uh, don't really use the F bomb in that fashion. I mean, it's just not, it's just not a typical curse word. So I thought it was interesting. I'm always fascinated by how things that I know in Portuguese are translated because like, yeah, that's not really the right word there. So that was something I felt like I had to share that, that that translation isn't the way I would have translated some of that cussing. Fun fact, that process is called uh, localization when a direct translation is kind of uh, specified to a, a region or a, lo- a, a locale. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I did. I had meant to ask you how much of the Portuguese in this movie you were able to follow, because from my understanding, you were fluent when you lived there, and you <laughs> are not really as fluent anymore. No, there there was definitely quite a bit of it that if it hadn't been for the subtitles, I wouldn't have known what was going on. But I, I can usually recognize what they're saying in relation to the subtitles. Like, oh, yeah, I recognize that. But it's because I've seen the subtitles. Okay, so I did know about the recommendations as well. And I'm going Great. to do, again, since my origin for this was a movie that I use in my class, the movie that I'm going to recommend is called El Norte. Uh, it's a movie, um, I'm not sure who the producers are, but it's a movie about a a brother and sister from Guatemala whose parent, whose father is killed by the military, mother is arrested by the military, and the brother has actually killed a member of the military during this confrontation at the beginning of the film. So they have to go up north, right? They have to go to El Norte. Uh, so it's a story about their process of getting up here to the north and then their experience up here in the north. It's a little dated in the sense that I think the film may be. 30 years old or so, but I think it does still depict a very accurate sense of the community that many of these immigrants are coming from, these migrants are coming from, and what their experience of is in the U.S. And again, there's many scenes. For example, they get to the U.S., they're in a hotel that we would consider horrible, right? It's just beyond description we would never even remotely dream of staying in a hotel like this but they're like this is so amazing because it has electric light so the one the sister Mm. is sitting there turning the 
kitchen light on and off because of course she's never been in a home that had electricity and the brother goes into the bathroom which is just filthy dirty but he flushes the toilet because he's never had indoor plumbing so a toilet that whoosh takes everything away is just a miracle to him uh and so that sort of sense of how Mm -hmm. you you know where they're coming from versus what they're experiencing here the u.s in the u.s i think it is very powerful and there's also a scene in the film uh where their literal process of getting from mexico into the united states is the single most powerful scene in a film that i have ever i i still vividly remember the first time i saw the scene and i won't spoil it because i I, it'll be more powerful if you see it for the first time yourself but the notion that someone would go through that in order to get to the united states with all of the risks and dangers and and potential problems that would occur once they got up here is definitely a statement of how dedicated someone would be to making that journey because it it was just unbelievable the scene and it's a film that does have mm-hmm. I've seen some of the actors in the film and a variety of other things. Uh, so I know that this is a more, uh, you know, professional acting kind of core that's in this movie because I've seen them in some other movies that I've used in class. So uh, it must have a little bit more of a professional acting background as far as that goes. But it's called El Norte is the name of the movie. Interesting. I, I've never heard of that. That that you did kind of make me want to see it though. That does sound kind of interesting. I've I've heard you talk about it. All right. Uh, yeah. My... Oh really? Well, I li- I don't listen when Dad's talking. Anyway, my recommendation <laughs> is maybe is like all of my recommendations based a little more on the style of the film, which I think is very documentary style. It's trying to depict events and really immerse you in a historical moment, uh, which is also what the Greek movie Z or Z is attempting to do. I believe I see, I know very little about modern Greek history, but I believe it's about the rise of fascism in Greece or the rise of a certain military dictatorship somewhat and it does this through the story of the uh, a political assassination and then the ensuing investigation of that political assassination which reveals much more deep-seated issues in the government and the police as this character is trying to discern but it's shot in a very similar way it's trying to make it look like a documentary it's using very uh, I believe it's called Cinema Veritas, is the style of cinematography that this movie is employing. I It was a story I knew nothing about, as evidenced by my inability to fully comprehensively tell you what it's about. But it's a fascinating movie. It's a really exciting movie, just like this one. It's proposing, uh, it's proposing a lot of very interesting ideas, and it's very much a, a fascinating look into a, a country's kind of downfall and what is occurring in this space and I find it really interesting I really enjoyed it when I uh, watched it a while ago it was another movie that achieved quite a bit of acclaim here in America it's one of the few foreign films to be nominated for best picture so yeah my 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 recommendation is going to be Z 
Okay, Shadows come here to have a little cameo. Uh, we should apologize for all the background background noise of this episode. Shadows been quite a handful today. Uh, Dad, this is a part of the. This is, and now it's time for. The, <laughs> there's a reference not many people will get. This is the part where Nathan and I react to each other's uh, oh. recommendations and usually belittle it. Okay. Um, I haven't seen that movie, although it continues to baffle me why you make your recommendations on this basis. Because if it's just cinema veritas style, I can name like dozens of movies that have nothing to do with the content of City of God that would fulfill that um, that criteria. Have you seen Z, Dad? Or do you know anything about this? Uh, uh, I'm familiar with the historical time period, but I've not seen the movie. Oh, okay. Yes. Greece was one of three Western European countries that were dictatorships into the 70s. Dang. Mm. Now, we, now we're just down to Belarus. <laughs> That's not Western Europe. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Shouldn't have brought the political science. Nice try, Elliot. Yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah, usually you could just... Yeah, you can Usually say that kind of thing and get away with the water. Yeah, not anymore, or not this time. <laughs> yep. Well, anyway, uh, that's interesting. No one cares. Uh, I actually do find that movie interesting. It's on my list, um, just to let the drop character a bit for a bit. But my recommendation is based on the content of this movie. Um, you might actually think it's a little bit uh, – tangential but maybe as i explain it you'll understand because my recommendation is apocalypse now <laughs> i have watched this movie four times and i have come away with four different opinions on it uh the most recent time i watched it i really enjoyed it although that hasn't always been the case um so i chose this, chose this movie because i think it's trying to do something very similar to city of god in that it's trying to immerse the audience in a very particular period with a very particular set of people like this is trying to evoke the chaos and the lawlessness and just like the total depravity of the vietnam war um famously or maybe it's just famously to me this movie is based on the book heart of darkness um which is about uh colonialism in africa but the movie follows this group of soldiers down a river uh, looking for someone in Vietnam. And uh, there were a lot of moments that City of God reminded me of where it was just kind of drawing attention to how um, – what it was like to be in this conflict. I'm thinking specifically of there's a part where they get to like the front lines of a battle and the main character – asks someone like who's in command here and he's like what rank are you and he says i'm a captain and he's like you're in charge then because it like there was just a complete breakdown of uh chain of command of even like a sense of what the heck was going on or where they were going or what they were trying to do i think that this movie is much more focused than city of god um and it thereby makes a much better case or achieves the immersion into this very specific setting um, much better and does a lot more to comment on how it is that Vietnam ended up like this and what the soldiers, or particularly the American soldiers, um, what they were thinking and feeling. It has a much stronger sense of character. Also, uh, an early Lawrence Fishburne, Fishburne movie. He's in the movie. And also, also, you should read Heart of Darkness because that's a really good book. But yeah, so that's that's my recommendation. Nathan's not a big fan of this movie. 
or sorry, Nathan, I don't, I don't want to let the air out of your reaction early. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of this movie, to be honest, Elliot. <laughs> no, actually, I do. I, I don't mind the movie. I've only seen it the once, so maybe if I watched it more, I'd enjoy it. And I like it up until the ending, which is, for my money, one of the slowest and just most crushingly boring endings of any movie I ever. I just, I can't believe how quickly I lost interest in this film once Marlon Brando showed up. So maybe, maybe I could rewatch it, but it's really long and I don't like rewatching movies that I don't think I'm going to enjoy. So I'll probably not rewatch it ever. Well, unless we have to do it for this podcast uh, and I'll be happy to do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe that would be a good idea. Uh, but that doesn't matter. That's ancillary business. That, that'll do it here. Dad, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for bringing your expertise. I know that you have delayed a meeting pretty significantly in order to be here. Hopefully that won't uh, you won't lose your job because of that. Seems unlikely. Well, there you go. <laughs> it was it was a pleasure to be here with you too. I, I, I know I've told you this before, but being a part of this podcast and experiencing the way in which you guys talk with such insight and such detail uh and such you know good words <laughs> erudition erudition thank you wow uh is just uh, i'm very proud of the two of you this is a really neat thing that you do and i i hope it doesn't result in you becoming estranged <laughs> that would be that would make me sad but I, I but do, it would be worth it. It would be worth it because it's good, good podcast. Um, so I, I do thank you for allowing me to participate, uh, and uh, especially that you allowed me to participate before your mother. <laughs> That's right. You can find the uh, you can find the five star button on Spotify <laughs> under the play button, just in case you're wondering or if you agree with Dad. Yeah. Well, that's that's great, Dad. We we're very happy to have you on here, Elliot. Do you have to uh, say the line before I do our outro? Say the line. Part? I do have to say the line, my friends. Life is hard and full of disappointments, especially if you live in the favelas. <laughs> that is for sure. No kidding. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks to Eduardo for coming on the podcast and then saying such nice things. That's always nice. Usually our <laughs> guests don't do that. They don't talk. They stop talking to us after they come on a lot of the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're really excited about this episode. Hopefully you listen to all of it because it is a very long episode. We're going to be back next week. We did miss last week because we were down in Texas, but we're going to be back next week. We pinky promise. We swear that we're not going to, we're not lying this time. We will be back next week with another exciting new episode. So be sure to check that out. And uh, thank you for listening.